But I understand that some systems have modular CCCs that can be retrofitted to vessels. We don't, but maybe they can do that at Cascadia. Before we go FTL, we should ask Stella that, Kai said, adding another line to the list in her implant. A long list now, since she had heard about the Slaughter Key privateers on their way to Cascadia, turned down McKinsey's offer of a commission, and accepted the suggestion of a liaison to travel with her. In a few short hours, her little group would leave the McKinsey headquarters world and head for Cascadia Station, and she would have to be ready, when they arrived, to take charge in reality as the commander she had hoped to become. We'll have two jump transitions on the way, Argello said. Do you want communication there or not? They're both just waypoints, aren't they? Uninhabited systems? Yes, but the Ansibles are up in both right now. We might find out what's going on. Good idea, Kai said. We don't want to delay more than we have to, but stripping bulletins from Ansibles doesn't take long. Everyone should do it, so you can each run your own analysis and we can share. Intership communication only by onboard Ansibles, no matter how close we are. Her desk comm chimed, Hugh Pratang's code. Yes, Hugh, Kai said. Last loads coming aboard here, Captain. Last for Sahara's gift is a half hour out. Bassoon's complete. McKinsey's traffic control officer has given us a priority departure slot in 2.5 hours. Next after that's at 3.5. Thought you'd want to know. Thanks, Hugh. Kai said. To the others, she said. We'd better get with it, hadn't we? I'd like to take that early slot, so this meeting will have to be short. For another hour, they hammered out the organization of skeleton staff, to be filled out once they arrived at Cascadia, then dispersed to their various ships. Kai made the calls courtesy required to the McKinsey officers who had assisted them, sent out data-burst messages to Stella, Grace, and Raff, and then went to the bridge as they undocked and headed out toward the jump point. Nexus 2, Headquarters of Interstellar Communications Raff Dunbarger, acting CEO of Interstellar Communications, looked at the monitor in the central control room of ISC's detention center. The man in the security cell looked older than his official years, and very tired. All the gloss of wealth and power had leached away, leaving his face exposed, the dissatisfaction and ambition clear to see. "'You sure you've got everything?' Raff asked his new internal security chief. "'As sure as we can be. His implant was coded to self-destruct if removed, of course.' but we were able to block that and examine it, download everything we could, and before we took his implant, we'd done a full panel, except for what you told us not to. Faint regret colored his tone. I have my reasons, Raff said. I'm sure, Sir Dumbarger, not arguing, just saying. Raff watched the man on the monitor shift his weight on the narrow bed. Now came the question the final question at the end of all the data collection. What to do with the man who had destroyed his childhood and much of his adulthood? 
who had separated him from his father, who had schemed and plotted and finally attacked his own mentor, Raph's father, who had contrived the killing of Raph's sisters, the death of his surviving sister's husband and child. He surely deserved death, but what death could encompass his crimes? And what about legal procedures? He'd made discreet inquiries, and the answer came back that it was ISC's problem. The government didn't want a noisy, embarrassing, expensive trial any more than he did. They wanted the problem removed. He's a hundred percent liability, he'd been told, but he'd been told that about himself when it wasn't true. Was it ever true? The man had intelligence, talents, charisma. He had earned the trust of the board of Raph's father.